Hey, it's Josh Sibson. And Jake Jabour. From The Meat Improv. The Meat Improv is a comedy podcast where we bring on the best comedians in the world to tell meaty stories from their lives, and then they do improv comedy with us. You don't think we're good at improv? Check out this little snippet from Jake Jabour's real life. Hey, where's all my cats? <laughs> he never knows. The Meat Improv. You can listen to it on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. That's The Meat Improv. Hey everyone, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein, and today on the show we have a very special guest, Jacob Reed. Hi. Hello. How's it going, man? It's going good. Is that Soundtrack Pro? Yeah, yeah. Can you believe I use this? Is that a newer version of it? Um, it looks very high tech to me. Does it? Yeah. This is just whatever the version is that comes with Final Cut 7. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. What do you use? You do um, podcasts. Yeah, I don't, I'm not as involved in the recording of the <laughs> podcasts that I do, but I believe we use GarageBand. Okay. That's not as high tech and fancy. No, not at all. No. Uh, that's why th- this looks more high tech. Some yeah. people use like Pro Tools, would yeah. you believe it? I have Pro Tools. Uh, I learned how to use Pro Tools in college. Mm. I was a, a sound, like they, I did, went to film and like you could pick a specialty. I went See, with I've, sound. I've already turned the tables on interviewing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you anyway, <laughs> as if it matters. I would, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> genuinely curious. I'm, I got, well, like, I was really upset because I spent, I, I learned, uh, I think it was seven, Pro Tools seven. Mm-hmm. I mastered a feature in it. I was like good at it. Yeah. And then I took a little bit of time off and they changed the program and they made it eight. And it's like a lot different all of a sudden. Mm. And I was like, it was like, it's not equivalent to like seven to X, but it just hurt my heart. And I was sure. like, I'm not a pro anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's going on with me. Well, we've isolated uh, any listeners who are not interested in both improv and um, sound engineering, which I'm, was my goal. I think that's, I mean, that's kind of what I'm going for today. Uh, <laughs> this, okay, great. So, uh, yeah, Jacob Reed uh, on the wonderful used to be Herald team, now not a Herald team, retired from Herald Night. Too good for it. Bangerang. It's true. We get pulled out of retirement every once in a while, but yeah. we always make like Danny Glover faces when we do. Actually, we don't. I love I love Harold's. Yeah. Uh, I would love to do more Harold's. If it was socially acceptable, I would probably audition for the next round of Harold teams. If it was socially acceptable. But I, um, I remember when we got moved off of Harold Night after doing the first couple months of shows, I was just like, shit, wait, can I swear? I always ask if I can swear on podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, of course you can. Yeah. It'd be weird. It I want to know the podcast. Like, hey, hey, keep it clean, buddy. I've also just recently gone through, I go th- through waves of this. I don't know if you do, but I'm like, I swear too much. Mm-hmm. But then I'm kind of like, fuck it. I don't care. They're yeah. just words. But they, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So I- <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I'm just trying to decide whether or not to latch onto that because I could go into it. But let's talk about good jumping on Harold Knight again. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I remember like I was backstage with, a couple people. I remember. I remember Betsy was one of them because I was like, "Yeah, it, it wouldn't be okay if any of us like, if, like, if I wanted to do more heralds, like, it wouldn't be okay to audition for herald teams again, right?" And everyone was kind of like, "Ah," and then Betsy goes, "Yeah, don't do that, man." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, you're you're right," but it's it's it's, it's weird because 
we were working for you know for three or four years on a very specific form with very specific parameters and a very specific like rubric of success. Yeah. And so then to go away from that where it's like okay now do whatever you want. Yeah. It's been kind of. I think we've been doing fun shows, but it's been hard to find our footing a little bit of like, okay, well, what do we want to do and how do we do that? And why, why did you have any desire to do it more? That's my question. Harold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Is it just because like you kind of, it feels very safe in a way after doing it for what, three to four years? Well, there's, I mean, it's, I, I don't know if it's <clears throat> safe. Although sure. Part of it is that it, it's not that I only want to do Harold's, but I think that what's fun about doing any specific form um, and the Herald is one of my favorite forms, but not my favorite form. Um, but I think that any, any form that you're working on, you have parameters that you can kind of judge your success by. And so um, with, and, and even within the Herald or within other forms, there are, there are things that you can do. Like we kind of, especially our last year on Herald night, we were really working on, um, exploring kind of non-scenic group games and, and, and group ownership of second beats. And so within that, within those parameters, there's so many different things that you can do, mostly because it's like the main long-form improv structure that's done. Yeah. I really wish... The movie is my absolute favorite form. And yeah. I wish that I wish that it was done often enough that you could be on multiple movie teams or audition for movie teams. Yeah. Or, that was, uh, yeah, you, uh, Rough Cut. I remember seeing you do that for a while, right? Yeah, 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 Rough uh, Cut. And then I, I'm on a team now one? called Wilhelm. Yeah, that's we, it, Wilhelm. Um, You know, it's just really hard to get a slot at the theater now. It's really competitive, and yeah. um, even people have been doing it a really long time, and maybe especially people who have been doing it a long time who have a lot of other performance opportunities. It, it's kind of hard to make the case for why they should get more. <laughs> right. Which yeah. I understand. Hey, uh, I wish all of you would just go somewhere else. Sure. All you people who've been just killing it, like very funny, taking up stage time. It's the worst. I mean, there, there's, <laughs> there's a, there's, it's coming. I feel like there's a, there's a batch of, <laughs> not that people are gonna, are leaving UCB. I think UCB is like our home, but I, I, there's definitely the group of people that I came up with in classes is absolutely starting to have a level of, of success that they're not around to do shows anymore which yeah. is cool and weird yeah and great for people who are it's like it's like an old growth forest you know like the old trees <laughs> have to get cast in movies and tv shows so that the new trees have room to grow ah nature uh let's talk a little bit about harold i want to kind of because it, it's it you said a few things that just kind of piqued my interest is like saying that it has specific parameters to, to, to judge success on. What's that for you? Like, what are those parameters? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, just the structure at, at the, okay. at the very like, you know, simplest sense, a Herald is always going to be, you know, opening three beats, group game, second beats, uh, group game, third beats within that. There's all kinds of stuff like, um, uh, John Velvet and now JV was doing something, they, they still might be, for a while where they were getting really interested in um, kind of like macro scenes in their second beats, which I yeah. thought was it, it has been super fun to watch on Herald Night. So like there are ways you can riff on that format, but it always comes back to the same rules. It's like, like I, um, I haven't in a long time, but I uh, in like high school and college, I used to like study jazz music. And so... Um, within any kind of 
song, there's obviously you know what key you're in, and then there are sections where it's like, okay, we're on, we're doing this set thing for however many measures or however many, however many bars, and then for you know sixteen bars, we're just gonna like fuck around in these three keys. Yeah, and having that freedom is fun, but it's like the freedom is only freedom if there's something that you have. There's to come a constraint. Back to. Yeah, yeah, and so we we've been mostly doing just like a montage yeah um just because we we don't uh we being bangering um we haven't been practicing as of the last uh almost like four to six months or so yeah and so without practicing it's hard to work on a specific form because you have to like get the yeah. reps in interesting uh that answer the question not really right it didn't Kinda. but that's okay i'm gonna i was just gonna refocus it yeah okay. yeah good uh <laughs> the uh i like how you hold the microphone it's very like um, i feel very i feel like i have to like i want to get one of those like broadcaster yeah i don't have one of the stands for, for I have the to home do it listener, very weird. i'm speaking into a mic that is standing on a desk yeah and uh steven is holding his mic like he's about to say like let's get ready to rumble or something <laughs> that's what i i'm trying to be that guy one day uh, so uh, quick side note, my yeah. grandma loves that guy. Doesn't everybody kind of like secretly? Well, yeah, but I didn't know my grandpa used to be like a fighter. And so I was watching boxing. What? At his house. He used to be like a golden gloves boxer after like the war. What, your grandma or grandpa? grandpa. Okay. My I'm grandpa. sure you said grandma. No, no, my grandpa. <laughs> sorry. I mumble. Uh, my grandpa <laughs> used to be a golden gloves boxer. Yeah. And so we were watching, uh, like the Pacquiao fight, a couple Pacquiao fights ago. And I guess my grandma has this, like, crazy crush on the dude who says, let's get ready to rumble. Because when he came on, my grandpa was all like, oh, here he is, Edith. Like, it was just, just a crazy thing that I had no idea about. That's great. Uh, uh, grandparents are. I love I love when, it, when there's, like, I guess I love it when it seems like they're surprisingly human. Right. You're like, yeah. oh, wow, you've got, like, I don't know, crushes or whatever. Like, that's yeah. insane. It's, you're supposed to just be the old people. Yeah. Make me cookies. Uh, so... The, what, what, when you, like, you're doing a beat or a group game in a show, what, like, when, like, I guess besides saying, like, oh, we had a game, which I feel like is, like, the oh, very... What, what else is yeah, successful? Like, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to think of things that I'm particularly proud of when I do yeah. improv. Uh, so I'm just wondering, like, what, what that is for you. Well, I think that um, within a Herald, exploring the opening or exploring the suggestion in, like, um, a fun and dynamic way for the audience, but also a way that generates a lot of um, truthful premises in the opening is a good rubric of success. Like that's yeah. kind of the first one. And then when you're in your first beats, especially with a, a team that has a lot of fun playing together, it's, it's a lot harder than it. Sh I don't know than it should be, but it, it's, it's always something that I felt like we were working on just to find clear, simple games in our first beats. Even mm -hmm. when we had been on Herald Knight for like three, four years, it's never, it's always a little easier, but it's never like, oh yeah, we're going to a hundred percent every show find yeah perfectly playable clear beats and or clear premises in our first beats. So just just to not downplay, not that you were downplaying, but that uh, finding a game on its own yeah. is enough of a struggle a lot of the times. Yeah. But then it's like, okay, well, did you find a game that is interesting or new or has like a, a unique 
perspective or is it a game that we've played before yeah and especially when, once we've been on Harold Knight for you know a couple of years we yeah. would start to get these scenes where it's like oh we've kind of played a version of that before yeah that's not interesting anymore and then if you are playing it whatever your game is are you playing it in the best scenario or best setting or best relationship that you could be playing it in and if not you can always like course correct in your second beats yeah but this is all I mean, this is the level of improv nerdery that people have when they listen to this show specifically like yeah. we don't have to explain any of this stuff right i mean you can feel you can feel free to elaborate as you feel necessary uh, uh -huh. i think i think most people though people get, get it. it cool uh yeah um uh well, i want to talk about openings and i also want to talk about game okay uh we'll go we'll go back to opening because you guys okay. always did great openings oh, uh, and this yeah. was like uh i think that was the thing that you were recognized for easy easy cheesy um uh but the the game beats like uh i think that that's that what's bringing particularly true to me these days is uh one not doing games that you like recognize yeah like, i feel very much like like every now and then i'm like god i feel like this is somehow like a scene that i've done before or something i've kind of seen before yeah. and i really hate that yeah, we, we were, um, there's a short spell where um, Chad Carter coached Bangering a couple times, and he Ugh, said something. Sounds awful. I know, right? He's <laughs> terrible. He's, like, not only a, a really mean person, but he's not a very good improviser. And now he just left to New York when, you know, it's easy to make it. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, no, uh, obviously, he's he's wonderful. Um, and he's kind of, like, uh, he, he's an improviser I've always looked up to. Like, when I was coming up in classes and stuff, um, <clears throat> Chad Carter and Andy Daly were kind of like my gold standard for improvisers. Which is interesting because they don't feel like they're the same type. Well, they what's are, interesting but they is like they they are, but they they're I feel like the two of them are different sides of the same coin because yeah. especially I mean like now a Andy's, you know becoming more and more a household name as he should be. Yeah. Uh, but for a while they would be the two guys where in college we would go to ASCAT and they would be the two guys like we didn't really notice at first and I feel like especially now I feel like a certain amount of uh, like I I feel that a little bit because I'll, I'll do shows where like people will have come to Bangerang shows yeah. and then be like oh like I saw I saw your team and like they were so good I don't know where you were and they'll start describing the show and I'll be like yeah I, you know I, I have, I've had to miss a couple shows and they'll be describing the show to me and I'll be like no I was like... in that show like I, I set up some of the moves that you're talking about <laughs> you just don't like, like both of them are, are not showboaty players they're very yeah. like setup move players yeah um which anyway sorry we're getting sidetracked but uh but chad said something when he was coaching us that was like yeah when i'm on because we asked him like what do you think about when you're like about to initiate and he's like well you know i'm on the back line and and i'm paraphrasing wildly but but mm -hmm. he was like i'm thinking about uh that i like what are the premises and then of those premises which ones are interesting to me personally and then of those ones, like, which ones have I seen recently? And then I eliminate those. And then of the remaining premises, I try to think about which ones would be uh, initiated with, like, the least effort because they come from an immediate reaction to a point of view. And it's just, it, just like, the, the level that he was thinking about it on, we were like, wait, what? Yo, when do you do that? What I'm, I'm thinking. Well, my thought is, like, I've got maybe on a good, like, a good opening, I've got four premises. Sure. Maybe. But so, but in his Probably mind, like it's like it's three. like the first Matrix, where it's like he sees all of the premises, and then he narrows them down. <laughs> he just narrows them down. By, That's absurd. It's amazing. Yeah. And so that that kind of stuck with me 
as just like, fuck, I want to get to that point. Sure. And I am nowhere near that point. Last night, I impulsively initiated, uh, which I do often. Like, if there's no, if, if we don't immediately get a scene right after the opening, yeah. I, I'll just be like, all right, cool, let's do something. Because I, I, that dead time makes me feel very uncomfortable. And yeah. so I initiate a lot of, a lot of our shows, I'll initiate some of the first couple scenes. Mm-hmm. And the premises are, it actually, it happened last night. I initiated a scene that was like, eh, it was, it was like a, a half idea premise. Yeah. We found something, it was fine. But yeah. then while I was dicking around with that scene, Meharry thought of a far better, Ryan Meharry thought of a yeah. far better initiation, which was like active and fun. And yeah. so I feel like if someone jumps on that grenade in the first beat, yeah. then everyone else has a little bit more time to kind of do what Chad is talking about. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that's, uh, it's weird. Cause I feel like a lot of getting away with doing stuff on stage, especially like starting scenes or whatever. Like when I, whenever I coach, I kind of make a big deal about it. It's like, just make it look like, you know what you're doing oh, sure. in the pause, in the pauses between your scene. But there is a limited amount of time where in which scenes cannot be happening and it's okay. Right, but yeah, the audience is like, wait a second. They maybe don't. they don't feel comfortable. Yeah, there's the, that moment is brief, and it feels and it feels even shorter when you're on stage. You're like, uh, right, like, like, I think I think I remember what you're talking about, but I don't think there was that huge of a pause between. Oh, but it you're feels like so much longer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It feels it like so much longer long. on stage. Like I, I, I remember I'll like remember in my mind like shows or like time that I took or like pauses. I'm like, God, that was so long. Like, why did it take so long to respond to that? Uh, and here's a sad admission: as I listen back to most of my shows, and I was like, Oh, that was like a second. Nobody noticed. Do you record the audio from them? Yeah. Listen back. Yeah. You don't need the video as much. Sometimes I cut, we used to record every yeah. show on Herald Night. We don't anymore, um, but I wish we did. Yeah. The uh, I think you I think I might need the video more than I think. The mm-hmm. audio is pretty good, pretty helpful. But every like uh, every now and then I realize that I'm doing something like physically that I didn't, oh yeah you hear like I a wasn't big aware laugh. of yeah I wasn't aware of it like wait yeah. what's happening no not yeah. even that I wish it was big laughs most of the time <laughs> most of the time it's just like. Uh, like Drew Defonso Marks mentioned to me not too long ago, he's like, "Hey, just so you know, you do like faces on the back line, and basically you're deciding whether or not the scene is good with your face." And I was like, "Oh, Funny. oops!" So I did, forgot I do that. Uh, <laughs> but stuff like that. Uh, uh, pause. Meh, meh, premise. You're Talk- talking about openings and premises. <laughs> we were uh, the oh yeah, and then uh, and then like yeah, fi- finding stuff that's true to you, but. I think that's also the other thing is like finding something that fits in line with what you think is funny. Yeah. I sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Finding something that is like that. Well, I mean, that's that's I. What am I trying to say? I feel like that's like a natural inherent thing that we all do that we don't realize that we're doing. And I was just uh, teaching a class a couple weeks ago where this came up where it was like, just do. Because one person thought something was unusual, and mm-hmm. then the other person in the scene was like, that's not unusual at all. Yeah. And it was like, hey, guys, uh, there's like, what's unusual about a scene isn't a right or wrong thing. Like, We all have different life experiences and values and opinions, sure. and because of that, what's unusual to us is different. So when, like in an opening, I feel like most teams who play together a lot, there's there's probably three to five ideas that everyone agrees this is objectively empirically mm-hmm. unusual and we will probably be doing a scene about it and then there's other stuff where it's just like little fringe things that 
tickle each one of us individually. Yeah. And those are sometimes more potent to initiate off of, or more not more potent, but maybe more interesting because it's not the obvious thing that everyone saw. Right. But there's also like a fine line between something that is unusual to me and no one will, no one did identify and no one will identify when I initiate it. Yeah. Or something that you kind of noticed and everyone else kind of noticed, but didn't really realize how funny it is until you represent it. And then the audience is like, Oh yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. And those are, those are, I think my favorite kind of initiations because it's not like the easy low hanging fruit. Yeah. Not that that stuff's bad. That stuff's great. No, but yeah. it's nice to kind of be like, Hey, like remember we got this? more out of it. Yeah. Than, yeah. The kind of obvious stuff. That's interesting. Uh, it's and, and that stuff. I think I think you're 100 percent right. That stuff was was always the thing that will surprise the audience a lot, especially when it clicks in their minds. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, they came up with this thing, and it was just a little bit. It's uh, or it's that thing that like somebody says something, and it, like they tell a story. Or I think that's usually how it goes. They tell a story, and it's just like mildly a little bit weird. Like they had a little bit of a weird thought process in there, and you can kind of like right. tag on it. They're like, yeah, I guess that is like how that would naturally evolve. This is all very abstract and whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like those a lot. The other thing I was – what I thought about when you are you're just saying that uh, is I guess it's not it's not so much like agreeing to me whether or not something's unusual because I think that hopefully you're just going to go on board with that. Sure. Uh, but it's also like – I think it's genuinely – at least stuff I want to initiate are things that I want to do or like I try to get going are things that I genuinely believe are funny, which is like mm-hmm. – that's I think that's a whole other level because like uh, – Maybe maybe this is a little bit uh, negative. I'm gonna yeah, I'll just say I'll claim it as negative on my part. But you play with like teams or whatever, like jams, whatever, mad mm-hmm. random people, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Like I get what you're going for, and I don't I don't necessarily believe that that is a like funny idea that's necessarily even worth exploring. It sounds terrible and judgy, but you feel right. that way sometimes. Sure, yeah, and I mean definitely like uh, in hosting the jam at UCB, stuff like that comes up. I almost feel like, and part of it is, uh, there's a there's a puppy in this room right now that's just being adorable, and uh, I wish everyone could see what's happening. It looked like it was just trying to dig under your bed, but just by by nuzzling. Yeah, he does that. Um, He's a perfect monster. It's amazing. Uh, so uh, yeah, at the at the jam, sometimes there will be stuff that. It's like, wait, why are we, why do we, why do you even want to play that? And for the most part, like, I I try to pride myself on being blindly supportive when I host the UCB Jam. And and to be honest, it's one of my favorite things that I do at the theater because, um, partially because, uh, kind of like going back to like some of those setup moves that I was saying, like, I feel like on Bang Ring, I, um, I'm, I'm a setup guy more than I am like a, hey, look at how funny I am. Yeah. Um, but I love being the, hey, look at how funny I am guy, because sure. all of us do. That's one of the reasons we do this. Yeah. And so in addition to the reward of just blindly supporting a crazy move and then helping it become a good scene in the jam, yeah. I feel like I also like the jam because it gives me a chance to be like the superhero, which I yeah. don't normally get to do in shows. I get that. Um, but yeah, there are there are moves that people make sometimes where it's like, I, I try to support as much as possible, but yeah. sometimes people are insistent on playing a specific angle in a way that's like, all right. And I kind of like back out of the scene in a way where it like <laughs> in my head, I'm just like, all right, look, if you want to, if that, if what you're playing is so important to you yeah. that you're going to deny 
the support that myself and some of the other people on the back line are trying to give you. Yeah. Then enjoy yourself because yeah. you're doing this scene on your own. Yeah. And that I, I would hate it to have anyone who comes to the jam think that I'm going to do that to them. It happens so rarely. Yeah. And usually when it happens, it's like someone who everyone can tell is difficult to play with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. That's in, uh, that's that's a that's a good place to put it. Like jams jams a lot. I feel I haven't done one in a while, but it's you, you go and you're like, oh okay, is this is this what you kind of do? Okay, interesting, interesting. We'll try it. Let's do it. Let's go yeah. with it. Well, it's part of that, and it's part of what's fun about the the jam as well is that like you don't really get to play with people all that often at least when you're you know when 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 where you play is more at you know house teams and less indie shows and less jams and stuff like that you don't get to play with people that have raw talent with no focus yeah which is like like the analogy i i use that i sure i stole from somebody is like uh cyclops on the x-men before he gets his blinders <laughs> like it's basically i think that was maybe even, I think, I'm pretty sure I stole that from Craig Kakowski in a class that I took with him. But it was, it, yeah, it's basically like there's people in the jam who they have points of view. Yeah. And they have opinions that are really funny. Yeah. They just don't know how to control them yet. And so what's so fun to me about the jam is trying to help just, like, put those glasses on them so their laser vision doesn't blast and kill everyone. Yeah. But is used for good and excitement. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, I feel, I get that. I feel like you, I see that, uh, you know, I spend more time uh, in the indie world of like, just seeing people like, oh yeah, you're really funny. You've yeah, got a funny idea. You just haven't harnessed what you yeah. are yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's really, and uh, fuck, I don't know. I don't think I'm even close to that. I try oh, very we all hard. Are. But, you I mean, know, we're all like, continuing, continuously getting better at figuring out what our voice is. Right. And what our, even people I know who have like a really clearly defined comedic voice there are other things about them that don't fit that voice so then it's like okay well how do i play that stuff yeah yeah it's interesting comedy's tricky uh (laughs) okay let's uh let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about opening so you guys you guys used to do uh a crazy opening (laughs) uh yeah we used to do like a, a very organic kind of mishmash opening we actually, for a little while, did an opening through our first beats. Uh-huh. Like, we did an opening, and then whenever we had an idea for something, instead of, like, bookmarking it and being like, oh, when we do our scenes, we should come back to that, we would immediately initiate it in the middle of the opening. Uh-huh. And then organically come back. So it was like we basically did, like, sound and movement yeah. with three scenes in it, and that was our opening slash first beats. Yeah. And, um... We did that for maybe, like, six months or more, and then we kind of, uh, at one point, I think it was when we switched coaches from Billy Merritt to Eugene Cordero, and Eugene was like, ah, mm, that's not really an opening. And we were like, yeah, we know. And he goes, well, you you guys, like, you know you're not really doing a Herald if you do that. And we're like, yeah, I guess that's (laughs) true. And then we stopped. I love the idea. That just surprises me that Eugene would be such a stickler. Actually, no, it doesn't at all. No, I mean he's. It doesn't at yeah, all. Yeah, he's he's pretty by the books in like a fun <laughs> way. Yeah. Um. But our our first coach was Billy, and Billy's very uh. Billy loves organic stuff and and sound and movement and that kind of and and I think that that's like it was so great that he was our coach for our first year as a team because that's really ingrained in like our our team DNA. Yeah. 
Um, uh, yeah, that is that's uh, that's definitely helpful, and I think it shows too of just being able. Uh, I feel like there are, there are coaches and players and like ways of living or like being co- like where it's just like you get very in your head mm-hmm. and you lock down physically, mm-hmm. especially. But you just get so locked in of like oh, I gotta just I gotta like stare at this person and just like exchange ideas until I get it. And there's a way of like coaching and getting very focused on that. And you're like, oh well, it's gonna be hard to come out of this terrible shit. Our, our first year of being a, a Herald team, we had practices sometimes where we would do organics for without stopping to give notes or anything. We would do organics for hours, like not for like ten, twenty minutes. Like we did. <laughs> like an organic opening for like an hour and a half in the rec room at like Betsy and Tony's old place. Just, and it, it was just like just living in our imaginations together for like an hour and a half, which was insane to me that, that we did that. But also it was great. That's awesome. Uh, so, but, but you did kind of keep, so like, I guess between Billy, a lot more open. Eugene mm. sounds like he kind of clamped you guys down a little bit, but which I we feel needed like at that, that just, point. Yeah, hey, that's fair. But then Susie, I feel like was a little bit opening that up again, and like not. It felt like it was very much like uh, there. There was there was kind of like this free flowing thing, but it also did kind of have it get, got a little linear. Yeah, and that, I felt like maybe when the Susie era, and she kind of talked about this too, was like it did kind of open up and again to to really do feel like there's pretty much it can go anywhere. In, well, a, in, in a way a that's way, helpful. She, Susie's, I mean, all, Susie, Eugene, and Billy are all incredible coaches, and we were very lucky to have all three of them. And yeah. then uh, we worked with uh, Joel Spence for a little bit recently um, before we stopped practicing, and he was also great. Um, but Susie we worked with for the longest, and she's kind of, like, Billy is very, all three of them are very, like, just fun like find the fun how can we exploit the fun which is why it was so wonderful to have them as coaches Susie in a way is kind of like a a midpoint between like Billy and Eugene as far as like yeah uh, buy the books and like throw out the book yeah like I feel like Billy is like the kind of teacher and coach that prides himself on like go buy the book bring it to class and then on the first day we're gonna dead poet (laughs) society that shit and rip it up because there is no book like he's just that's just who he is and it's great um, so with Susie, we kind of were working on our opening became uh, still an organic. We always kind of did an organic opening. Um, and then in a weird way, we got we all got a little like bitchy when other teams started doing organic openings. Because for a while, it was like people didn't do it. Yeah. And then we started doing it on Herald Night and, <laughs> and people liked it and we had a great time doing it. And then like as a result of that, a lot of people started doing organics again. And some people that uh, some of us coached even like would call it like the bangering opening yeah or people would ask me after shows like hey like will you explain what your opening is like what are the steps and it's like well there's no steps we yeah no it's it's basically any opening that any of us knew yeah and then kind of in a way like um non-scenic group games yeah within an opening and then just whatever's unusual we follow and after we hit it a couple of times we move on because we're not getting any more information out of it yeah but it was I mean, and that, that just makes me think again, like going back to a time where we were practicing and like really putting in the hours to be like, how can we develop what we're doing to get the most out of it? And I think that's something that what I'm going through right now, at least in my improv performance life is missing that, but also recognizing that like that time maybe is over. Yeah. Which is bittersweet, I guess. That's interesting. Uh there, there. Uh, I've always thought about that for a long time. Like, actually, 
it's very early on in doing the podcast or even just like realizing uh getting being in ucb or like going to shows and stuff it's like oh there's herald night and then there's like going off of herald night uh or just you know and that can be a wonderful and terrible uh or wonderfully terrible experience either way like there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to fall off of it. You can just be like not at the theater anymore, not performing right. anymore. You know, you can go like kind of like I get to show up every now and again and do a show. You can get a regular show, go to a weekend team, but all of them are like these very varying levels that are all weird. Well, uh, what, I, I am kind of a strong believer that Harold teams should be overturned more. Yeah, um, both because then it would give more people an opportunity to be on Harold Night and to work with different people, and also. Because I think that the way, um, I don't think this is like an official thing or an on-purpose thing, but just the way people treat Herald Night is like, it is the end-all, be-all. Like, that is your goal. Mm -hmm. Like, when you're doing classes, when you're auditioning, like, you want to be on a Herald team. And people don't, and that's great. And that that should be a goal. That's a great goal. But it shouldn't be the only goal. And sometimes when it becomes the only goal people have a really hard time with not getting on Herald teams when they audition. Yeah. Or with, um, with like once they are on a Herald team, then what? Like you're only going to be on a Herald team for a certain amount of time and then you will get broken up. And I think if they, if they broke up teams, like, I don't know, every two years or so, yeah, then it would be expected that you're only going to last for two years. There's a limit. Yeah. And you wouldn't feel betrayed when you didn't. (laughs) Are we talking about model theory yet? Or what? No, 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 <laughs> not at all. Um, I think just, uh, <laughs> it, like people, I've seen so many teams where it's like, you know, there's just that weird vibe that goes around in the theater right yeah. before Herald auditions where everyone's like reevaluating their status and like, yeah. like, like, are we going to be, do we deserve to be like, well, if we're not, like, yeah. there's just this weird, all, all of this thinking that has nothing to do with like, hey, like, are we having fun? Are we doing good shows? And yeah. really those should be your only two concerns. Yeah. But I, I obviously understand how how they how people fall into Yeah. Thinking about all the other stuff that is human and, and <laughs> part of being a part of a community. Well it's yeah, it's interesting, uh because Harold Knight don't uh doesn't like it's a good it's a it's an awesome show, it's a great goal to have, but it also <laughs> clearly doesn't have room necessarily for everybody who's right. Very, very good. Oh yeah, there's people who are who were ready for Herald teams a long time before they ever get on teams. Yeah, and it's just, um, you know, I've never been in that room, but it, I imagine that it has a lot to do with just like, okay, well, who fits with each other, and yeah. if not, maybe they'll be on a team next year. And I, if if it were me making that decision, I would probably also take into account who it's going to, who's going to stick around and keep trying even if they don't get on a team and yeah. that wouldn't be a reason i wouldn't ever put someone on on a team because i think it would because i think they would give up otherwise yeah but i think that would at least make the dis- make the the fact that you only get to put a certain number of people onto a team a little less awful yeah because then at least you believe that these other people are going to keep auditioning and do other shows and- right yeah because uh, best case scenario you're on like we had bangering had really the best case scenario yeah. we were on Harold night for a long time almost four years then we were given our own night and i didn't really put together when that happened to us that that's we're only the third team in ucbla history so if you think about like the what theater opened in 2005 yeah. it's been almost 10 years and sentimental lady last day and us are yeah. the only so that's 
So if you're if you're getting on a Herald team, <laughs> that shouldn't be your goal because yeah. that's and it wasn't really ever our goal. Yeah. Although there were for sure times that we thought about how cool it would be, but like you can't like you have to assume that ninety nine or however whatever percentage of Herald teams get broken up. So. Yeah. Uh, you it's have to have a plan, I guess. It's inter- I think it's interesting because I feel like I've uh, everybody everybody at every level wants more. I feel sure. like that's how it goes, and uh, it was interesting hearing. Uh, maybe it was this last round, or maybe the round before. People who are great, retired from Herald Knight, whatever that type of thing. Not, not. And I was like, you know, like I got need, need another space at the show. I want a regular slot. I want my own team. I want to get like a. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> the tragedy of it is like, I guess being uh incredibly considered very competent or incredibly yeah. competent teaching whatever uh and still like looking for an outlet at which to do it yeah, <laughs> like, i think that's i hard. think if you get if you get complacent or if you ever feel like yeah i'm exactly where i want to be like that's when you stop learning and growing oh i can't wait till i get to that spot where i'm exactly where i want <laughs> i would be. love to be in that spot <laughs> i'd love to be in that spot and and have no idea that i'm wrong but just be really happy yeah I also, Sounds great. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, a friend of mine was over for dinner, and he, I probably shouldn't use the specifics, but um, he was just recently in a movie with, like, a, a, a very well-known, respected director. Sure. Um, and they were talking about, like, while they were shooting, another movie came out by, like, another well-respected director. And, like, the level of directors I'm talking about is, like, you know, like, like Coppola, sure. Spielberg, Scorsese, like, that level of a director. And... So it's like one of those types of guys and another one of those types of guys had a movie come out and the reaction to it was like, fuck, I wish I could like, he's doing what I want to be doing. Like, <laughs> like his movies are great. Yeah. Like everyone loves them. And it's like just thinking of like hearing and there's more to the story, but hearing <laughs> yeah. that someone at that level yeah. is still looking at their friends and colleagues and just being like, fuck, well, again, again. <laughs> yeah. right. So like that, that. <laughs> was a nice reminder that like oh cool so if you're creative and ambitious you'll never be happy with anything great a hundred percent you should be happy with something yeah like we, i'll you know. figure out how to be happy one day same yeah. <laughs> uh harold knight uh let's uh let's talk a little bit about uh you starting up uh doing improv and stuff where where did you get started um the first time i ever did improv was in um Seventh or eighth grade. Oh wow! And it was at uh, in drama class at a public high school in San Diego, um, and a teacher named Chris. Uh, wait, no, I'm just mixing up teachers' names. Holy shit! I don't remember the name of that teacher. <laughs> that this person changed now. her life. I know she really did, and now I'm mixing her up with a teacher that I really, really disliked. Um, <laughs> but I had this great teacher who let us do improv uh and we had seen stuff on like whose line is it anyway and like that was kind of all we knew and so i started i got out some book i don't even remember what it was now but it was like just like short form improv games and so i started doing that and then um my freshman year of high school um a friend of mine that was in that drama class with me uh we were both like my mom I thought my mom was picking me up from school and she forgot. And so I was like at school for a couple hours, just like had nothing to do. Yeah. And 
my friend Zach was like, hey, they're doing improv auditions. We should do it. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> uh, and so I did it, and I got on the team, and it was um, it was mostly like juniors and seniors, and then like I was the only freshman who was on it. And, uh, you know, I, I idolized them, and they were so funny, and, and the team broke up like toward the end of that year. Yeah. And then I spent most <laughs> of my... Why'd they break up? Well, it was like I want like, to say I want to. I'm hoping it's some terrible drama. I mean, I think it was just like all interpersonal shit, and it's like you know they're high school kids. Like yeah. they didn't know. I remember like one practice where one dude was like, one of the guys who kind of ran it was just like up in the light booth, like huffing a marks a lot the whole time. And then, like, one of the other dudes who ran it was, like, trying to get everyone to practice, but, like, people didn't want to because, like, someone was going to go buy weed. And it was just, like, <laughs> there's there was just other, like, other stuff that people wanted to do. Oh, like, what, and Huff Marks Lot. <laughs> which I never, like, I've never actually seen that no. anywhere except for, like, movies. And yeah. then this one dude in the light booth with, like, like took the cap off of Marks Lot, shoved it up his nose, and then just, like, breathed it. I, like, I, I still <laughs> cannot get that image out of my mind. <laughs> Um, uh, also, what a badass high school. <laughs> it wasn't, though. It was, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, so then. Wait, I got I to gotta find out real quick. Did you guys have, what, did you guys have an improv team name? Uh, they did. What so, uh, I need to know. so they were all Gen Xers because uh, they were all a, a chunk older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the name of the group was Degeneration X instead of Generation X. Great. And then someone informed me later that that's also the name of a, a wrestler. Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. But, Interesting. Um, <laughs> so they dissolved, and then I spent most of my sophomore year trying to get it started up again and, like, reading improv books. And then um, my junior year, we started it up again and did that junior and senior year of high school. And then I went to USC, where I I was enough of an improv nerd by that point. Like, I would read a bunch of books on it. Not that that made me good or anything, but we, we also... Oh, no, no, no. Reading, that's of, it. Um, <clears throat> who was I just talking... Oh. I was just talking with uh, Kyle Mooney about this last night because we were on different um, high school, like, national comedy theater competitive short form groups. Sure. Um, who else? Aaron McGathy was also on one of them. Yeah. Uh, all at different schools. Me, Kyle, Aaron, and then uh, Jacqueline Gabardi, who doesn't do improv as much anymore, oh, no. um, yeah. was on uh, the team that I was on to at Patrick Henry and our, our name was the PHHS improv group because I thought silly names were stupid. Uh, PHHS. Just cause we were the Patrick Henry high school. Got improv it. Group. <laughs> like it was literally the most boring, unimaginative name ever. Um, but we, we all did like competitive improv. And then, uh, so I, I went to, when I was looking at colleges, I based my choice of college based on who I thought had the best college improv group. Yeah, of course. Which is so dumb because now I'm in so many student loans. <laughs> I could have gone to a much cheaper school. Um, and then I, I didn't even get on the group that I saw perform, which was this group, Comedus Interruptus, where a, a lot of uh, really, really talented people were on both of the groups yeah. uh, at USC. Um, there's more adorable puppy stuff happening. Yeah, well, it's going to get a lot less it's adorable. Gonna lot, it's going to get rapey in a second. Yeah. Wow, that's twice his size. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they don't need to know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I auditioned for the other group, uh, which is called Second Nature, and it was uh, pretty new. I was like one of the first, I was part of the first round of auditions that they had, and, and now they're a, a pretty, you know, larger, well-respected group on campus. Um, and 
we did short form as well until a couple of us read an interview with Andy Daly in like 2005. Uh-huh. I don't even know where it was, but he started talking about the Herald and we're like, we have to learn this. <laughs> like whatever it is, we have to learn it. Yeah. And so this was, it was before UCB opened out here. And so we just were like reading up on like what the Herald was. I, I read, um, the, uh, like the Sharna Halpern, um, whatever the book they make you buy at IO is. Yeah. Uh, um, truth and comedy. Truth and comedy. Yeah. yeah. So like I read that and then we were, we kind of taught ourselves the Herald based on that. And then when UCB opened, we just started going all the time and asking people to come coach us. And so in like 2005 and 2006, our college improv group was coached by like Andy Daly and Owen Burke. And I think we had like Seth Morris come out. Like we had like all these people who now are, you know, just thought of as being these like incredible improvisers. Yeah. We were just like, please come like tell us. And we would, you know, pay him whatever, you know, whatever the coaching fee was at that time. Yeah. Just try to get as much as we could. And we started doing long form. Yeah. And then that's how I kind of started doing stuff at UCB. And there's, I also was on a team at IO for like a long time. Um, for like a, almost two years. What was that? Uh, Roberto Alomar. Okay. Yeah. We started, I started taking classes also, uh, before UCB opened up at this, uh, small kind of hole in the wall theater, uh, <laughs> on the West side that was called ultimate, ultimate improv. improv yeah. And so the group that was taking classes there at that time, it was like me, Nick Weiger, Heather Campbell, Matt Jones, um, I'm trying to think of who else does stuff at UCB now. Scott Rogers. Yeah. Um, and then a, b- a bunch of other really wonderful yeah. people who aren't as much in the scene anymore. But, um, so then uh, they all started taking classes at UCB, like Weiger and Heather took classes at yeah. UCB and they're like, Oh, like we got, I remember when Heather got on a Herald team actually, which was like a cool thing. Yeah. And then going to see like last day and, um, and then I eventually started doing stuff at UCB and that's a fairly comprehensive. <laughs> that's history. a full rundown. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, that's funny. Uh, I like that you, like, you, you, <laughs> you said that you found, uh, uh, just some article with Andy Daly and got interested. I think I kind of had that happen with, uh, oddly, you and Bangarang. Really? I don't know. There's, uh, oh, that's was, nuts. uh, I still have it on my computer. I just found it because I, I realized I looked it up. This tremendous or rough cut Bangarang thing. Like, I was just reading everything I could <laughs> the find. The most ridiculous article title ever. Yeah. I just was reading that. or not. Re- I didn't read it, but I was trying to find it because I, I needed to do, like, some kind of press junket. The title of this article is... Wait, do you have it up there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you... Uh, okay. Yeah. Tremendous or rough cut and bangering. Jacob reads a UCB-based triple threat. Yeah. Uh, uh, makes me sound so much cooler yeah. than hey, I would ever it's sound very otherwise. cool. And the person who wrote that article, um, Samantha Pitchell, is mm-hmm. now a friend of mine. Oh, yeah. Is, I know her. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's I know her on in, like, Twitter. I don't know her on her. anything. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's funny. But uh, I didn't know who she was at that point. Cause... Yeah, I found that I found that article randomly uh, when I was very much just searching. Like, improv. were you not doing UCB stuff at that time? Uh, I was just was just starting. I was like just getting into sketch. That's nuts. Yeah, that's Does it 20, say what that year was it September was? Uh, 2011. Yeah, that's not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not crazy long ago. But I was still. That's that was like my uh, <laughs> intro. To uh, define and stuff. Um, Steven's laughing at dog humping. Uh, yeah. What's happening? I got, well, I got this. So that that was a prop for a sketch. And then uh, I have this big dog that was like a prop for a sketch. And then I was like, oh, I'll let him play with it. 
Uh, and then he, I didn't even think about it. They started humping it. And then now I hide it in my closet. Like, that was shoved deep in my closet. And my dog pulled it out. My dog's name Chris. He pulled it out and just is now humping it. And like, hey, <laughs> nah, Jacob was staring at him. And it was like, what? What do you want? He just got off the dog yeah. instantly. It was a puppy just violently humping a giant stuffed animal and staring at me. <laughs> That's what he does. He looks up for approval. Like, a lot, like he'll do that. And he'll like, look I up at me. Like, I wasn't disapproving. But I, wasn't, I was trying not to approve either. Jeez. I wanted to be neutral on the hump. Uh, when, uh, uh, so I think that's the last thing uh, I want to touch, and this obviously would probably take the longest, but, uh, something you know about is transitioning improv and sketch into, uh, something that's more than improv and sketch, uh, at a theater. Uh, How do you mean? Uh, like you guys had, like, didn't didn't Tremendous Star have like a show or something? I vaguely remember that. We had a a couple runs of a couple different sketch shows. Didn't you? Wasn't there like a thing on Playboy TV or something like that? <laughs> I remember that. Uh, that was that. not, not a tremendous or show. Okay, um, but well, not a, yeah. It wasn't obviously. It wasn't. Nor Playboy. was it transitioned from anything that we no? were like trying to do. Uh, the short. I mean, I don't mind talking about it. the sh- the short version of it is basically uh, Justin Michael, who who he and I do a sketch group together called Tremendous or. Mm-hmm. Um, someone at the Playboy Channel saw some of our videos like the summer we graduated. So like we graduated college and then within a month we got this email from someone at like a playboy tv.com uh, email extension or mm-hmm. whatever it's URL. Yeah. Um, sounded like my grandparents. <laughs> um, and we, we ended up getting this job hosting a TV show for playboy that is, um, it ended up being uh, a lot more graphic than we were expecting, uh, <laughs> partially because the, the there's a show on HBO for a while called Real Sex, mm-hmm. um, and so the production company that made that was also making this show, and like it, uh, Real Sex had like won all these awards, and it was kind of like a documentary look at like adult topics, and it, yeah. it's I've actually seen a couple episodes recently. I'd never watched it before, but it's. it's Pretty interesting, actually. I feel like I've seen one, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, the production company was this, like, Peabody award-winning production yeah. company, and, like, they had done all this stuff. Yeah. And so we kind of, like, didn't know exactly what we were getting into, but it paid really well, and we were excited. And, yeah. Uh, the first day we showed up, and there were naked people, and it was weird. And then <laughs> Playboy did a formatting change while we were making the show. So they used to not show anything pornographic. It was just kind of, like, soft core. Yeah you know what you would see maybe in playboy magazine yeah and then they started showing like hardcore pornography and so if you look i mean it's 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 much easier to find than i would love it to be um (laughs) but there's for sure clips out there where it's like justin and i looking really young and awkward which we were and and kind of are um but still awkward uh looking at camera and being like huh like while people are straight up fucking in the background uh it's it's oh, it's no. it's an insane like I, like I've I have oh, no. seen things and I didn't know that it's it's bananas. Um, <laughs> so yes, that was that's the the short version of that. That's funny. Um, uh, how do you get a show like that? Is that what you're trying to ask? Well, no, I uh, yeah yeah <laughs> by accident. <laughs> Can I? Uh, and then people ask trying. you about it for a long time. Uh, for some reason, I just assumed that that was like by design. No, uh, in some way, and I guess if if they made the show that it sounded like they were going to make when when we started working with them, I think it would be like I would like to make that show. Yeah, it's basically take two guys who are like twenty two and twenty three and who are just comedy nerds and put them in situations that they shouldn't be in. Yeah, and film what really happens instead of like we had to read all this like douchey dialogue and like. <laughs> 
It's just, uh, it's awful. That sounds good. Uh, well, okay, then uh, then I guess another, uh, to, to, to flip it then, so since Playboy wasn't the huge success, like, it does feel like uh, you're, you're uh, if nothing else, an ambitious person who does other stuff outside of UCB. Okay. I, uh, I feel like that's fair to say. Like, are you, are you, like writing, about, directing. Like, jobs? Yeah, jobs. Like, like I How guess. How do you go it, from improv and sketch yeah. at a theater to doing jobs? Sure. Um, that's a good. That's a nice, simple way of putting it. <laughs> I think it's all about just meeting people and deciding what you want to do and doing good work. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every comedy job I've had ever, I can trace back to people I met in, like UCB three hundred one and four hundred one. Excuse me. Um, and uh, just performing at the theater. Like, yeah. the, like I've done a lot of stuff with. Uh, Justin and I have together and separately done a lot of like writing and directing for Funny or Die, and we got hooked up with them because Eric Appel had seen a sketch we wrote and directed for um, Matt Besser's pilot that he did for uh, the show. Will get you yeah, high. the show yeah. will get you high. So we were staff writers on that, and then we we directed a segment that ended up actually it was in the show, and then it got replaced by um, Cream's B-roll sketch. Okay. Um, which, like, when we didn't know those guys very well, at first we were like, what? Like, who are, like, why? Uh, <laughs> and it's, like, it's the funniest sketch ever, and it's the stupidest thing to yeah. be. And we weren't, like, we weren't upset. We were just kind of a little butthurt because we thought sure. we were going to be on TV. Everybody, which, yeah. Of course. Very rational. <laughs> um, so Eric uh, put in a good word for us at uh, Funny or Die, and we ended up meeting with them and doing a bunch of stuff through there. And then that, you know, through that came all these other opportunities. Yeah. And so, I mean, really everything... I, I think it's just like you have to be part of a community. Yeah. That's one of the especially I have a couple of friends right now who are trying to get into whatever they're doing more and it's like that if you don't have that network, yeah. nothing, you know, you yeah. have to be looking for opportunities all the time whereas if you're just hanging out with people that are fun and talented then it's like, "Hey, you want to make this?" Like, "Hey, we should do that." And yeah. then stuff happens. Yeah. Uh I've got uh I got a couple TV writing jobs. Uh, I've had I've somehow had that uh, all just community. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Uh, and the same same goes for like I do television uh, editing and producing and stuff. A bunch of that again, all just from like randomly knowing people in the community. Like I was doing my stuff before, trying whatever. But it is like that thing of like, oh, do I know a person who does that? Who's right. around? Who's the like flip fairly- side? Which I feel like I've learned over the last couple of years. That yeah, I've yeah, yeah. This like is what I want. Re, re. Um, <laughs> rethink my strategy a little bit is that when people know you for being able to do something you can get pigeonholed into it really fast Mm -hmm. um so like for example i used to edit (laughs) a lot and then companies or friends that used to ask me to like write and direct stuff when they found out i i could edit would just start asking me to edit stuff yeah and then i would kind of have to remind especially with like switch over at a lot of like internet companies people would come in and know me as an editor but have no idea that what I originally did for these companies was like write and direct. Yeah. And so I would have to like really fight to do the thing that I used to do all the time. Yeah. And so I think that's like my my biggest advice to people who are looking to get into doing comedy professionally is like do whatever you have to do to make money. Like I get it. Like I I still take on editing jobs every once in a while if the money's right because if you can edit, you can make a lot of money. Uh, much more than if you can write, which is, yep. I, I just actually directed something that I got paid way more to edit it than I got to write and direct it combined, which is <laughs> like just this moment of, 
Yeah, it just sucked. That's uh, still the case. And uh, yeah, I had all my t- all my TV jobs. <laughs> like I'm just like uh, I put together all those checks, and I'm like, yeah, that's like like about a week or two on like a good commercial or something. Right. Like it's not that hard to make sure. that money, and it's tragic. Yeah, it's re- actually so I, tragic. I think it's just it's all about um, like really selling yourself as whatever the one thing you most want to be is. Yeah. If it's like, if you want to be a writer, you should be writing all the time. You should be talking about writing all the time. Yeah. And people should hear you, like, you know, just just put it out there that you want to be a writer. Yeah. It's hard. A lot of us, especially within the improv world, there's so many talented people that are talented at so many things mm. where it's like, you want to be a writer, actor, director, you know, improviser. Like, there are so many things. Not, not that anyone ever gets paid to improvise, but uh, <laughs> tell so, that to Heather Ann Campbell. Sure, there are a few. There are a few, <laughs> a few people, but but the percentage of people that get paid, the, the, just the number of improv jobs out there, very small, are very small. Um, so I think, yeah, my advice would be just like focus on something and narrow it down, and also just like never be happy with where you're at quality wise. Always try to be better. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, it is uh, the the brand. I think it's like just a matter of branding yourself as like a thing that you do. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting because it's uh, or it's like a reputation or whatever. The thing that sticks, uh, we can you can apply that to like uh, business. Real, I'm gonna call them real jobs outside of improv stuff. But I think you can also uh, brand yourself in the improv community too as just being like. Uh, I feel like I know there are people who are like you know, genuinely good people who should be on Herald Night who, like, do quality improv. And there are people who are like, yeah, they're, like, funny, but they're kind of, like, gimmicky. Or, like, there's people who are like, yeah, they play like assholes. And you'll always know. Like, everybody always kind of knows. And you're like, yeah, I've just chosen to be this person. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to always do this. That's interesting to me because I feel like just going back to, like, those, you know, like, making support moves and that kind of stuff, I- I'm I'm so lucky to be on a team that is full of, I mean, everyone on Bangerang is so talented, and even despite how long we've been on team and how much success, uh, you know, a lot of the team is having recently, we still have all eight of us at most of our shows, which yeah. is awesome. And it's just a testament to how how much of a family we are and how how great everyone is about making it a priority. Um, but I I, I also am lucky to, that anyone on Bangerang is so versatile that if I ever if I ever decide like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to fucking showboat this show and just yeah. like steamroll. And like, I'm going to get some laughs tonight for me, not for setup moves. Everyone, like there's no one on the team who can't play as good of a straight man as they can. Yeah. Like, you know, the more showboaty person, but we do fall into these, like that being said, we do fall into these habits where there are, there are some of us on the team that are more setup moves. There are some of us on the team that are more like, okay, I'm going to play a weird character. Yeah. Like it's, you know, I can't think of well. That's not true. I can't, I can't think of plenty of times where Ryan Meharry has played a straight man in a scene. He's great at it, but he loves being <laughs> loves being a weirdo. He loves being a weirdo. Yeah, and he's a great weirdo. Yeah, and that's and not to single him out. There's, I mean, that's how like yeah. the whole team is. We have roles that we fall into, and you're right. There's there's somewhat of a, like a typecasting. Yeah. Within that, we're like we'll set up we'll set up Betsy for physical stuff all the time because she's so funny when she does physical stuff. Yeah, but she's capable of doing so much more than that yeah it's a talented little team you got there yeah i don't know what my point was with that i don't know either. i guess it's okay yeah uh, hey man you want to brag about your team you really, do it i feel like I, I only started bragging about them to buffer 
the fact that I felt like I was going to say something that maybe could be insulting to them, but then I, I, don't, know <laughs> that, I don't know that I did. <laughs> uh, I like that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Then uh, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I haven't covered or anything you want to cover. Any last topics before I wrap this thing up? I'm trying to think of. Uh, um, no, I think it's it's like a really exciting time to be doing improv right now. It's it's more than ever. I think improv is being recognized as like a valid art form and a valid uh, kind of um, talent development pool. Yeah. Um, and especially at UCB, you know, more than ever, like every show I feel like is like so-and-so is a writer, so-and-so is a director, so-and-so is an actor. Like, it's like everyone I know and that we know is is getting all these great breaks and the improv, like the indie improv community also is, you know, like three, four years ago, there were a couple shows you could do. Now you can't like not do a show like every night. There's like, it's it's like, there's too many indie shows, too many indie shows, but it's a good time to be doing it yeah everyone i always think that the ucb's philosophy and and i've kind of made it my philosophy as well is that like the cream will rise to the top if everyone is supportive and everyone is given an opportunity yeah and it i think that that's what's happening right now and it's cool i dig it yeah cool, man. um all right jacob uh last bit pearls of wisdom note advice feedback you ever got uh Preferably improv related. Is it pearls of wisdom like P E R L S? Mm-hmm. Is that like a branded thing that you've done? It is. It's like copywritten. Um, it's all about branding. Gotten, I mean, definitely like just that thing I was talking about with, that Chad said earlier. Um, in college, when we got coached by Owen a couple times, um, one one thing that he said when we were talking about like, well, isn't there? Someone asked like, well, isn't there a rule that you're not supposed to something? And he's like, no. There's only one rule in improv. Any other rule is bullshit. <laughs> he was like, there's there's only one rule, and that one rule is serve the scene. Whatever yeah. the scene needs, give the scene what it needs. And that always kind of stuck with me. I like that. Like a, yeah. Uh, and then another thing I, I, I was just recently thinking about a couple nights ago, one time before our show we did at I.O., Heather Campbell said to me something about, like, just about like bringing it because we were it, we, like it was one of those nights where io is consistently running very 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 behind and we were going to start our show like an hour later than it was supposed to start and we were all like Ugh. exhausted yeah and she just kind of said i don't even remember exactly what it was but she was just like hey like people are here to see us perform and like we need to bring our a game yeah and that always kind of stuck with me as like i don't think i am the kind of performer that a hundred percent of the time shows up and like fucking performs yeah and i would like to be sure because the people who are like that i really admire and are really fun to watch yeah it's a show like i think that's a honestly that's a great point you know people came to see you guys even yeah. if it's just like a couple people or like sure. whatever it's like yeah they went outside in the line they did it especially in the summer when it's super hot yeah so even like it- even at indie shows, even if it's like that couple, you know, we got one person in the audience still. It's like, yeah, they still came. Right. Like, they could be doing other stuff with their yeah, life right it'd now. It'd be so easy. Because improv sucks. <laughs> I mean, there's, I a, lot, there's a lot of improv uh, that, that isn't as good as it could be because it has to be. Before yeah. it can, you know, like, people have, to, people have to do the shows that are not as good so that they can learn how to do the shows that are better yeah which actually reminds me of another th- another thing that chad said in a class i'm a big chad carter fan if you can't tell <laughs> um 
he in like a 501 at, uh, years ago he said something about like hey like none of you guys are less funny than me like you guys are all as funny as i am or some of you are funnier than i am it's just that i've been doing <laughs> this long enough that my batting average is very consistent yeah. And yours is not yet because you haven't been doing it long enough to have earned a consistent batting average. And I had never thought about it that way. And it, it's true. Yeah. I wish there, the only other thing that's like that, that I wish I could remember right now is there's, um, this dude from Iowa, Chicago who like used to be like Chad used to be like a scientist and then became a comedy person. And so he writes about improv in this, um, in this way that's like, it's just analytical and mathematical hmm. and it really appeals to me because that's kind of how I uh, approach improv and I I can't cannot, remember his I name I can't plug the blog I used to go to it all the time um fuck that's well, that'd be helpful. really helpful that's not helpful yeah. to anybody it would be helpful if we knew yeah maybe if uh, you think of it let me know yeah I'll let you know if I can I, I mean I have a bookmark somewhere yeah um but it's fantastic all right. Well, I appreciate everything. Uh, Jacob, anything you want to plug, share with the world before you go? Uh, yeah, Bangering uh, Tuesday nights at 11 at the UCB Theater. Good um, my, uh, my podcast, Before You Were Funny, uh, you can search Before You Were Funny in iTunes. We it's have, recorded uh, on GarageBand. It's pretty good. It's recorded good. on GarageBand, so you know it's top-notch, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fun. We have comedians come read their earliest, shittiest material, and... Um, I think that's kind of it. My, my sketch group, Tremendous Story, you can look for our, our videos on YouTube. Nice. All right. Thank you so much. Cool. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Hi. I'm Chad Westbrook. And I'm Nicholas Wagoner. And are you a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race? You should be. You very much should be. Come listen and subscribe to our podcast, How Is She Though? Where we recap every episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Come and get your daily dose of vitamin gay, honey. Oh, cr- oh, cr- <laughs>